Welcome to the Future of Foods interviews. I recently had the pleasure to speak to Lauren Tract and Sienna Dexter, two industry professionals in the marketing and branding space, about cellular agriculture and cultivated meats. They both had so many interesting and surprising insights into human behaviour and cultural trends and how this could and should apply to the burgeoning alternative meat industry. You can also watch on YouTube by searching Future of Foods interviews. My name's Alex Crisp and I'm the host. I hope you enjoy this, the first of Future of Foods interviews of 2024. Okay, so welcome to Lauren Tract, uh, who is a marketing, sales and branding consultant, and she's based in Barcelona, Spain, and also to Sienna Dexter, um, who is co-founder at Naked Ape, which is a London-based company dedicated to building brands through the power of social science. They're both here with me to discuss marketing and branding of cellular agriculture specifically and uh, cultivated meat. So I'm just going to allow them both to uh, say a little bit about themselves. So, uh, Sienna, would you like to go first and introduce yourself? Thanks, Alex. I, I actually think you've said it all. I all am right. excited to discuss branding and um, selling a meat. Alternative protein is um, obviously a hugely growing industry. There's a lot to discuss in terms of social science and changing perceptions. When we founded Naked Ape, we are, our objective was to help brands that have a uh an interesting concept or idea to translate that to audiences to understand how we can reframe behavior and change it through social science and anthropology so that's really the background to what we do um we work mainly with fmcg and i'm excited to be here today to discuss all things branding okay well thank you sienna what is fmcg Fast moving consumer goods. Okay. Right. In in the States, they say CPG over FMCG. So just consumer packaged goods. But in the UK, we say um, FMCG, um, which is the lower cost CPG. So rather than say um, a higher cost item that's packaged. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, Lauren, can we hear about you a little bit, please? Sure. So I work with a lot of different companies in um, the alternative protein space. So um, cellular agriculture companies, um, plant-based fermentation, different types of fermentation companies. And um, yeah, I just, I see where the company wants to go and um, I help them troubleshoot how to really get there um, specifically with branding, marketing, sales, um, different collabor strategic collaborations, um, business expansion. So um, I have tons of contacts in the network, in um, the food space and uh, with different um, mass uh, consumer product stores, selling stores. So I try to put all the pieces together of the puzzle and see where the best fits would be and come up with really creative strategies to really um get these brands in front of people in a really interesting exciting way that will also help um help this innovation really be 
accepted in a very positive way by consumers. Um, as we all know, innovation is always full of new things and change. And in general, humans, we don't really like change, um, especially big changes. Um, and there's so many different components um, in there, specifically fear of just the unknown and something different. So um, yeah, it's, it's so important to just um, really give reassurance and just really create this amazing energy around a brand. Yes. Yes. Well, I, um, you know, this is all, this is all stuff that's, uh, that's, that's certainly, you know, the, um, how human behavior, uh, is impacting on, on the way things are marketed is, is something that I really want to discuss as part of this marketing, um, debate or discussion. So, um, so, you know, kind of going back to the subject, do you think it's going to be easy? Let's start with a broad question. Do you think it's going to be easy or difficult to sell cultivated meat to members of the broader public? What do you reckon? Who wants I mean, to... I can start, I can kick off. Yeah, um, whoever, whoever I'm just going to say, abs I, I'm going to say no, it's not going to be easy. Um, It hasn't, it, it's not easy now. And I think uh, thinking about how you're going to be positioning cultivated meat, it's going to have to be, a choice and we need to understand what that choice is between and why consumers want to make that choice we need to understand the price point as well so right now if you go into a restaurant um if you go to say byron burgers or um kind of a, a, pretty much any kind of burger restaurant meat restaurants you'll have a vegetarian option sometimes that's beyond meat sometimes that's the branded products and you would choose do i want to have the vegetarian option the meat alternative protein or do I have meat? If we add cultivated meat to that, then that's a third option. Mm. And you need to be thinking, why would anyone make that third option? If it sits in the supermarkets, would it be in the meat section? So would there be a cultivated meat section? And if so, why would you choose that as an alternative? Is it going to be perceived as the cheaper option to real meat or would it just be a a choice of would you have liked this 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 animal to have been you know not have suffered um through um obviously the farming process and um and being killed but it's a bit of a it's a jump in people's minds isn't it of you know this is this is a cow it's still a cow it's not kind of but it hasn't it's been grown in a dish so yeah it's I mean, so how, I think it's gonna be hard. Yeah. I'd love how, to see what yeah, here. How aware do you to. think people need to be about, you know, whether that, you know, how that meat has has uh ha, has been grown, has been developed, you know. If if they're looking at if they have a choice of in the in the supermarket and one is cultivated meat, one is you know, standard meat. I mean, are they gonna look at cultivated meat and, and understand what that is, do you think? You know, are but, they going um, to know how it's become what it is it depends who the consumers are mm. um let's look at vertical farms when i was working on a leading vertical farm project in the states it was one of the first to partner with a major supermarket in the states coming over from europe now they're more well-known vertical farms and there's a lot in the uk but then we had to do a lot of consumer testing around what is the benefit of this lettuce 
is it clean? It's got no soil. So do consumers care that it's not been grown in soil? Um, is it is the is the benefit that it's been grown locally so there's less transport costs? So you need to start thinking about how that's positioned. Why is cellular important? Why is cultivated meat important? Um, and how do we position that as a benefit? So are we going for making the switch from organic to cultivated and making and choosing those consumers? Or are we saying cost of living crisis? Meat is an expensive luxury right now, especially good organic meat. So your option is choose cheaper meat that perhaps hasn't led a good life or choose um, cultivated meat where you're getting the best for a better price. So we need to think about that positioning. Yes. I suppose we're hoping that the kind of cost of living crisis might be over by the time we've got cultivated meat on the shelves. I suppose it's going to be three years from now, isn't it? So perhaps, perhaps, perhaps people will be better off by then. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, um, uh, I, um, I suspect there's going to be a lot of people who are happy to pay the extra, extra money to buy meat that that hasn't suffered. I mean, there was some statistics from Bryant Research. Um, who uh, who is um, which said that sixty percent of sixty percent of people um, want factory farming to end, um, which which was which is higher than I thought. And then there was kind of it was between kind of eighty and ninety percent of people are against certain practices that happen in in regular kind of farming about you know having the horns cut off and, and being castrated and all of these kind of things that happen in farms and so so uh you, you know there is a lot of people who are against that kind of cruelty so would those people would that translate into money i wonder would, would that would that translate into people spending more money quite happily on on um you know happy happy meat i suppose i think um it comes down, honestly, to, I mean, to, in answer to your question, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be challenging. But at the end of the day, there's everything in life is challenging. So it's just a challenge you have to assume and just fight for it. Um, definitely the main things that need to be addressed in the um, alternative protein space in every single uh, part of the alternative spa protein space, taste cost, convenience, mm -hmm. and health. No, the, the first three, fundamental. Taste, cost, convenience, super important. So, um, you know, once we get those down, um, and I, yes, of course, we continue and continue to, uh, to work on them. Obviously, it's going to take time. Um, but we just really need new innovations, need to be persistent on really coming up with great solutions to those three issues. Because at the end of the day, you can make all the marketing, um, come up with all these great marketing stories and um, campaigns and this and that. But if those three pillars are not, they, they're not, they don't have solid solutions to them. Okay, yeah, it's great that people want to reduce animal suffering. But if you don't give people a really great turnkey solution, they're not going to do it. I mean, there, there are so many things, you know, so many people would, would love to, you know, be in great shape and work out and eat healthy, but 
it's challenging. That's why a lot of people don't do it because you really have to put effort into it. And um, yeah, so I think that it, it, it's so important that we really focus on the marketing and the branding is very important as well. But if there's, if those pillars aren't like bulletproof, I mean, not bulletproof, of, of course, we're going to need time and, and constant innovation, but like, we really need to focus on great solutions for, for those, because otherwise it's like a, a house that has a very uh, feeble foundation and you're worrying about the curtains you're going to put upstairs in the guest bedroom. Yes. I read somewhere today, um, I can't remember exactly where, but it was it was an, it was about one of the big food companies, it, you know, kind of Cargill or kind of JBS or one of those um, that's that's on lots of their food. They have to kind of dumb down the health benefits of the food uh, be, uh, because people don't trust it if it's kind of talking too much about health. So on and so on their pizzas, they have to kind of remove them, you know, eat even though they've kind of cut them down, you know, they've cut down the fat, they've cut down the salts, um, but they can't mention that on the pizza because it might frighten off, it might frighten off consumers, which um, I thought was interesting. Um, so I've heard, uh, I've heard some cultivated meat producers tell me that uh, people, that there are some people, I think it was, it was Magic Valley, the guy Paul Bevan said, some people uh, will just never eat cultivated meat. Um, so, you, you know, there are some people you just can't sell it to. So do you yeah. agree with this? And and if so, who, who, who are those people who are never going to eat it? Gosh, that's quite a big question, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is. yeah. um, it's there. It's it's hard to give just a flat answer. Are there some people that will never? I'd love to to know what that fact is based on are we talking about geographical kind of availability are we talking about we'll never be able to afford it um because of their economic um a situation or like lauren said is it kind of the convenience and it being too harder therefore if it if it's made kind of tastier does it take tastier more convenient healthy i've written these down um would we open that to new people whereas currently it's not open to them so are there some people that would never eat that there are um, and if we look at um do you guys know like disc theory um so mm. i i was yeah just kind of rounding it up kind of in a summary there's a great book um it's called surrounded by idiots actually um oh, i've got it I've, you've yes, got I've, it i I've actually interviewed it. the author i know I've got it on the my great shelf, guy. I've never read it so yeah I should, I should read it oh you've interviewed it's, the author i interviewed him yeah it was in the middle of covid and he was bored and he agreed to be interviewed um i need to actually publish that um but i was obsessed with this book it basically says that people are either yellow so a combination of yellow red blue and green yellow are your early adopters um your kind of uh, the, the people that are driven by kind of ideas and will adopt things quickly and will try things quickly but they also ditch things quickly red is like get me to the answer fast don't give me the details they're kind of your ceo types you're kind of energy driven um um, people or as blue as like give me all the information i'm not making a decision until i've read the whole pc manual um and greens are like oh we'll just go with what kind of most people will want um so are there some people that would never try this 
I think it re- I think it depends on where they are on that spectrum. Are they the blues that potentially need all the information or just resistant to making new decisions? They're just not the type of person that will ever change their habits. They are diehard meat eaters and that is it. So for me, just psychologically, I think that's how that needs to be answered. But that's kind of my perspective. It's a good answer, I think. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's um, I shall have to read that book. I mean, I um, I mean, I was kind of I was kind of imagining maybe if you went to a Trump rally, um, if you went to a Trump rally in America and tried to sell them cultivated meat, how? Hell no! <laughs> how do you think that would go down? <laughs> I mean, we're saying that people are, and I'm just going to go out on a limb and say probably. Well, actually, there are. I've been uh, horribly surprised by how some Trump Trump supporters are actually university educated, and um, uh, you know, it had surprised me. I was like, "How is this happening? You, you're a lawyer," um, but I would probably say that they are a certain type of person that perhaps isn't un- maybe not maybe uneducated as a blanket term <laughs> watching mm. this, but they are part of a certain group of people that has a certain mindset that is probably resistant to seeing certain types of change happening and helping the world to implement it in a certain way mm. um how you'd i'd love to know maybe lauren can categorize that better kind of being from the u.s hopefully not supporting trump otherwise i'm sorry (laughs) um i think that i think that um there are a lot of people right now in general that um especially after covid that um just are really dying for human connection and to really connect to a community so, um, I mean, studies have shown religious uh, affiliations have been going down for for many decades. Um, and I think people just want to relate to other people. So I think that's why you see all these tribes popping up, um, whether it be through social media or politically. So I think, interestingly, people right now can be more, I don't want to say easily swayed. Um, but easily attracted to different communities, to being part of different communities, because we all want to be part of different uh, of of a community. Um, you know, people aren't maybe socializing in the same ways that we used to. You know, due to different technology, social media, mobile devices, et cetera, et cetera. So um, people just really want to be part of something, and they want that human connection, and they just they might not recognize it, but that's those are the things that they're drawn to. So if the if if the cause is decent enough, if if the if the um, argument sounds pretty solid, then it's it's something easy to buy into. So um, so yeah. I think that yeah, people just just want to be together. So um, okay. that's that's actually a great um, that's a great thing um, to have in mind when we're talking about marketing and branding, I work on tons of different, I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of grassroots strategies. So really like tapping into communities and really meaning something to those communities, really bringing people together um, 
you know, having having the the center be regarding a movement or a product or whatever in a meaningful way, not in like a spammy way. Um, and as far as your question, Alex, um, I think that definitely specifically the ones who are going to be harder to convince are older generations because they're they have a more um, set in their ways mentality. Um, they might not be they might not understand or really care to understand about new technologies. Um, and also different like religious groups, I would say as well. Okay. It's interesting what you said about community. Cause um, one of my guests, again, I think it was Paul Bevan. He was, he said that, that it's, um, it's about wanting to be part of the cool gang. Sure. And if you make, uh, if you can make kind of cultivated meat and sell agriculture, the cool thing out there to do then it should be quite easy to be easy to persuade people sure for sure which is what you're tapping into there <clears throat> i don't know if I, I i would actually push back on that a little bit alex and say that there are lots of people that will do things just to not be in the main yeah trend group for example there's a drink and i'm going to pronounce this wrong it's um, la Croix, La Croix, in the, like, yeah. is it La Croix, La Croix? Yeah. There are so many different, La Croix. I've never yeah. yes. I mean, in into this for another brand who was launching a, a bubbly, a bubbly drink, a fizzy drink. And we had to position it in terms of what is the anti-La Croix crowd. Um, and that drink was on um it was actually on south park where they were just making fun of these like people that were going around um going bottled water bottled water um and then kind of like all the things that these manhattan um apple macbook users would in in the skit they were going to south park and they were all drinking this lacroix um so we had to kind of position it as a new drink that is the alternative to this really cheesy mainstream thing that everyone's doing. How do you, how are you going to be the anti-culture, the subculture? So actually potentially maybe there is a way, and this is not if you're the first cultivated meat cu um, a, a product to go to market. If you're talking about, there's lots of different options. There's mm -hmm. room for one to be the market leader that everyone wants, the liqueur. Um, and there's room for others like kind of juicy marbles in the alternative protein space. Have you heard of them? I've, cool. I've interviewed uh, I've, I've interviewed him actually yes you really they seem so cool I haven't yeah, tried yeah. the product yet because I'm still yeah. not 100% sure about alternative meat that really looks like meat his name's, um, his, his name's Vladimir isn't it Vlad yeah I, I I'm not actually sure I know yeah. it's a team of two guys from the states and they're pretty they're pretty cool I've I love their branding um yeah. So uh, I, I suppose what I'm saying is there is room to be the anti-market leader, the underdog, the buck, the system, the rebel. There's room for that to come in. Um, so whether whether it's um, everyone wants to follow the tribe and kind of go with what, yes, the green personalities would, but actually there are other people that would actually want to go for the alternative. Yeah. So it's complex. I suppose there's room for both, isn't there? It's like... Um... Of course. You 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 would sell you you could sell it you could sell it in a cool way to um, one sector of society and then and then you could put the kind of Tesco's own brand on the other stuff and kind of sell it to everybody else as a you know at a reduced price. Yeah, and, this uh, is your budget budget mate. I mean, 
I, I, you know, if in this cost of living crisis, I suppose you you have to make a a choice. And I, um, I, I love my Clarence Court eggs, but they have gone up to like five pounds, and like five, you know, a pound per egg is a little bit bonkers when it used to be a pound per pack, um, or two pounds for the really lovely ones. So I suppose people will be thinking, how can I have this lovely, you know, especially if they've got a big family to feed, how can I make mm-hmm. that choice for cheaper, um, with nobody knowing that it's actually not real meat. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. So, um, I mean, we've we've looked at uh, we've looked at kind of the best marketing techniques for persuading the general public. I mean, is there anything you would want to add to that? I mean, are there are there any techniques? Uh, are there any other techniques in your you know in your in your toolbox that you think would be very good? mind control <laughs> yeah. manipulation <laughs> um i think that's i think that's a super super interesting question um i i just want to just touch on something that's like um something uh so just an anecdote that i talk about a lot when we're talking about kind of changing perceptions to new products when margarine came on the market um there was just butter um and they had to convince um well in this kind of market research group because it was the 50s they brought in housewives and they said can you try either this butter or this margarine and they tested what the response was so the reason why i'm saying that is there was a lot of psychological research that went into how to convince the main target audience at the time to choose this new thing margarine which nobody wanted and it, it you know at the time it was gray it wasn't even yellow so um what are the marketing techniques that we would use that i think we would use i think you would need to have a obviously more diverse market research group and test psychologically what are some of the hesitations if you didn't know it was cultivated if you gave them the two things um and if you did tell them it was what would some of their answers be as to why they disliked it or liked the other option better so you'd need to really research that and then build your marketing around that mm. so is there, is yeah. there anybody out there doing that sort of research that market research is this specific start? market research yeah has that been started yet on on cultivated meat that's it's yeah. not something that i'm aware of currently that there are any ongoing ongoing studies but again this isn't an area that i um work in currently we work with alternative protein but currently yet not uh, not cultivated meat although that that would be an exciting area in the future yeah um yeah what about you uh what about you lauren is there anything in your toolbox that you would use to try and sell cultivated meat to i have so many different tools it's like darts at the end of the day. You just have to keep being, or it's like going to the gym. You just have to keep being persistent and doing a lot of the same things and then tweak a few things and just kind of you cross that bridge when you get there. Um, but I think definitely, like I was mentioning before, harness the power of communities. People want to be a part of something. People want to feel connected to group. People want to feel connected to other people. So create meaningful. I mean, there's so many great examples. Like you have Supreme, you have Lululemon, you have, you know, um, Sweet Greens in the United States. You have a beauty brand, Glossier. All of these brands really gave such importance to their consumers, 
and to their customer base and really empower them and really helped create this community and, and really, you know, made something so disruptive um, because they, they really showed that they cared a lot about their community. So I think, you know, create events, you know, where you have these real, these super cool products, you know, really tasty hamburgers, really innovative stuff, very Instagrammable stuff, very, you know, um, engaging stuff, you know, where people can come interact with your products and have a great time. It's kind of like, I think back there, like songs that at the beginning, when I heard them, like, I hate this song. And then you go to like a club with your friends and you have such a fun time. You're like, I love this song because it, it reminds you of that fun moment with your friends. So I think the environment conditions so much of what our perception is of a product. So we really need to take advantage of that and have amazing events and have amazing interactions with this, these products and just together. Of course. Yes. I mean, I I think all of that makes a lot of sense, but I suppose that's kind of looking, it's, it's perhaps looking at a young, a younger market, isn't it? That's, it's, it's the kind of Instagram, it's the Instagram crowd. I wouldn't necessarily say you could have also like, um, I mean, or Facebook for older, older adults, uh, however you want to put it. Um, your moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandmas, um, you know, they love posting things as well. Or, you know, you could create like a, I don't want to say like a county fair event, but like a community farmer's market event where you have all these different, you know, like a very family oriented kind of um, event. So I think there's so many different ways you can tap into communities and bring people closer. And, um, and really, like I said, add so much value to their lives, not only by, yeah, free food and and interacting with this new food, but taking the importance off because that's the whole thing. When things are innovative, you kind of want to make it like normalize it. You know what I'm saying? So you don't want them to focus too much on what they're skeptical, skeptical about and just yeah. focus on having a good time and relaxing and just enjoying themselves and relaxing and, and just having a great experience. Yes, I was wondering. I was. I was going to say um, just before you said that. I mean, how much? How much in the marketing do you think people need to know about about the science um, of the product, or about the uh, you know where it comes from, or about factory farming and animal cruelty and and all of all of that stuff? How much of that do you think needs to be part of the brand or part of the marketing? I think a lot of people really don't care. Gonna say, I was going to say the same, actually. I was going to say, I think it's I think it's important to perhaps have that somewhere on the website for the personality types that want to read that. But yeah. like Lauren said, I think that if you create if you normalize uh, a product choice and you then create a great community, a great buzz around that, um, mm. I think that's a great way to just make it the obvious choice. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I kind of agree that uh, that that actually, um, I wonder, I wonder whether kind of companies want would rather just kind of slip it in quietly, or make a big or make a big fanfare about it, you know? We're just like, I can't believe it's not me. Like, I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <gasps> Wait, you know, what? It, it's all in your fish. It's all in your frozen fish fingers in your you know in your frozen kind of chicken nuggets it's it's in your it's in your sort of frozen pizzas no one cares 
what's in them. If they cared, they wouldn't be eating them in the first place. So if you, if you, um, if, if, if you, you know, can you just slip it in without anyone noticing and, it's a bit dangerous if it backfires though isn't it if it you could have a huge pr scandal on your hands um i i was given a kind of a a, a, an alternative well a protein bar that was made from crickets just on (laughs) when i was just walking through uh to my we work in farringdon station i was like handed it with like my copy of the economist that they were handing out for free and i didn't know and i just got to my desk and i was like oh yay a free bar and it was called jiminy and it was only after eating half the bar that i realized i was eating crickets and i was not happy i really wanted them to tell me that it was a cricket bar i was so i would say don't trick people tell them tell them what it is um but have them go wow i can't believe i've figured out this great hack or i'm part of this great community or position it differently but they, it needs to be their choice you can't mm, just yeah. give them a like a 50 percent meat product and try and trick them into it I, i'm not sure that's going to go down well mm. i think a big a big factor as far as that as well is definitely just really creating um widespread cultural acceptance and having a culture change and like i said it's like if people start normal it's kind of like how smoking was it's like okay everyone's doing it okay so i guess it's cool and fine and i'm going to do it even though i know it's not good and and there are a lot of illnesses related to it well i'm just gonna do it why because everyone's doing it and it's cool and uh you know people like me more supposedly that way so i think that a lot of people um are going to be most persuaded by just the social factor and and um how they relate to other people how they connect to other people uh virtue signaling um just by being part of something that's really cool and happening and that everyone is doing and then i think then they're not really going to care even if they don't really know what it is like if if it was a protein bar i mean a, a cricket protein bar um i think people would care less if they see all these other people doing it and they're like well all these other people are doing it i guess it's okay you know i guess it's if they're doing it i guess i can do it you know nothing's going to happen to me that's true i mean that's how it works that's certainly how it works in politics isn't it you know you 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 know, you see them, you see, you see the politicians regularly on Twitter saying, you know, this is the way everybody is thinking at the moment, you know, this is what everybody's doing at the moment. And and so, and so that's, and and that's another way of basically saying this is what you should be doing, because everybody's doing it. So Trump got in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's trickery, isn't it? Really, yeah. just yeah, yeah. He kind of got in by tricking people into thinking cricket bars are good. Basically, <laughs> it's like the the political version of it. Just get them to eat this. Everyone's doing it. Yeah, yeah. but at the same time, it's it's a person like you know, it's it's you're not actually saying everyone's doing it. It's that's what yeah. someone like if you have huge events where people are engaging with this product, it's like you can decide not to. No one's telling you, oh, everyone's doing it, and you're yeah. but. It, mind you perceive that it's safe because you see people that are having a good time and you would like to be having a good time and interacting with other people and part of this community so you perceive it to be safe yes that's it this is such an interesting yeah oh sorry Alex I was just gonna say like my mind's just going on it this is such an interesting 
kind of observation because there are so many occurrences in society where enough of a kind of viral idea has landed and then everyone's doing it and you associate that kind of action with having a good time whether you're talking about alcohol alcohol free beer whether you're talking about smoking or not even things that are bad for you if we even talk about like fashions wearing high heels you know who invented those why are we doing them why do i need to why do i feel like i need to wear them in order to feel like a professional business person Um, apart from being short um so this is i mean i could talk about this until the cows come home but i won't so it's interesting i suppose i suppose the idea um you know that's you know the kind of cultivated meat and and uh and and cellular agriculture is often associated with vegetarianism and veganism and i suppose veganism and vegetarianism has never been thought of by the large uh uh sector of society as being the fun people perhaps you know they are you know i suppose people i suppose people think of them as 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 the people who are complaining and causing trouble and and vegans never (laughs) everybody's day so, so perhaps as part of the marketing, you know, kind of, uh, you know, sort of cell agriculture should clear away, clean, you know, be as far away from being associated with veganism, because clearly veganism, you, you know, vegans are not interested in, in, in cultivated meat anyway. It's not for them. But it's, I, I think yeah. people might associate it with veganism and, and vegetarianism. So how, how would how would you market away from that? I there are a few points here. First of all, um, I would disagree that vegans and vegetarians aren't seen as kind of the cool people now, um, or kind of fun. I think that actually there's been such a huge shift recently in how people are perceiving or judging people who are saying that they're vegan or making flexitarian options, vegetarian options. When I was growing up, um being vegetarian was kind of the it's like why are you doing that like what you know you could never say oh I don't eat meat without someone questioning that and going but why I'm just like well I just really just don't like the idea of eating a chicken like yeah um I'm not actually vegetarian anymore but I think that it's a complex thing and I, I just wanted to touch on the fact that it's for vegetarians or that cultivated meat is for vegetarians there are a lot of vegetarians that would not make that choice um, to not eat meat, not because it doesn't always come from just an ethical point of view. Sometimes it does just come from they don't like the texture or the idea. Mm-hmm. So therefore, a product that is has come in some way from an animal, and it will, is not going to be appealing to them. So the only option is for it to be an alternative to farmed meat, whether it's more cost-effective, better for you, healthier. You can track that it's not going to make you sick. You can track it's not kind of come from some farm and you don't know what's happened to it. Um, so that's the only way I think that it would be marketed. I don't think it's for vegetarians and vegans. No. I wouldn't say that. No, I don't think it is. Yeah. I mean, I think economically also, it's just, it's just not a good strategy because vegans and vegetarians are just such a small niche of uh, the food market. I just, as far as marketing goes, I just, I don't, I don't think that it's really doing the cultivated meat sector um, justice. I think the the whole point of really making it uh, economically sustainable 
um, option and also, yeah, better for the environment, et cetera, et cetera, food stability and whatnot is to really, yeah, just target flexitarians or not even, not even flexitarians, just um, different demographics that or even just like, uh, you know, poor communities. I mean, hopefully when the day comes where we can reach price parity or even lower price points because of, you know, scalability and, and a lot of other issues solved and hopefully uh, government subsidies. And also, you know, another important thing is uh, lowering subsidies for um, animal husbandry. You know, I think this is such a great option for I don't think that meat should stop existing. I think I believe in in great farms. I mean, I'm, I'm as far as uh, my career, I, you know, I'm also a veterinarian. So I've seen what goes on in a lot of different types of farms um, and there are farms that are doing a great job. So I think I, I think there's always going to be room in the market for those types of farms, um, grass fed, free range. Um, you know, there's, there are great farms with animal welfare that's being done fantastically. Um, but I, I definitely think like there's, there are huge groups of people that just want a product, you know, and, um, if they don't, they, a lot of people don't have enough disposable income to really care as much about a lot of other specs of the product. So if we're able to come up with a very cost efficient alternative to this, hopefully in the future commodity that will be meat that is, you know, not as easily attainable as uh, cultivated meat. I think it's a great, great, great solution for developing countries and also for, for, you know, lower economic people um i've just i've just come up with a, a a strap line that i think might be good um you know kind of tell me what you think of it so if you've got it's kind of cultivated uh beef not for vegans how does that sound <laughs> um i would need to look at the kind of target demographic and do some social listening and the research and then to understand whether this positioning platform is going to resonate with them and also understand how it's going to look and feel as well in terms of the brand and the product but is it a bad tagline no um i think it's an interesting one um it's not for vegans uh, i'd immediately go to why um well i mean me. it's kind of one of those <laughs> things i suppose it's kind of what we were talking about is that as soon as you write vegan on uh on a product it's it tends to scare most people off. I mean, and they've done, you know, I've seen, I've, I've spoken to people who've sort of said this, I think um, the kind of juicy marble guy, Vlad was talking about this as well. And he was saying, if you write, if you write vegan vegetarian on it, it, you know, kind of most people, you know, you know, you know, most people run a mile thinking, I don't want to be associated with vegans. I know that there are, you know, you were saying that, that, um, that there is a big crowd of people, the you know kind of veganism is cooler than it used to be you know it, it's 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 growing in numbers and kind of flexitarians are growing in numbers but probably only in the cities probably only in london and 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 new york and places like that but in the in the world more widely i think there is still a a sense that people don't want to buy something if it's got vegetarian written on it or vegan written on it so i suppose that's why i was that's why i was saying that 
Um, it's interesting. Interesting. I mean, uh, do, do you remember the Yorkie bars, not for girls? Yes. <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> I don't think I don't think they go with that anymore as a mm. as a campaign. I think in our times it would be unthinkable that a chocolate bar would come out and say not for girls. Um, but I suppose it, that was kind of interesting because you know obviously girl it is for girls <laughs> if they want it, but they were using the term girl as a certain idea of what the kind of person so it was just re- incredibly sexist first of all um but if you're saying it's not for vegans i think it's interesting but but you are actually saying it is it really isn't for vegans well, so perhaps if we found a way of saying it's not for and then positioning it's not for it's not for it's not for boring people or no, no i'm not saying vegans are boring but if you say it's not for and then find a term for someone who would not or it's not for people that don't want change something like that yeah. i would say it's an interesting concept to go for that i but... see what you're saying you, you know yeah vegans is, is, is yeah you know it could it could create division in some way yeah i think the the topic i mean i think it's just so politicized that it's best to just stay away from it's kind of like poking yeah. at it it's like i think it, it your best bet is just to try to, to really try to enforce um, new um, ideas and new, new branding point, uh, marketing points Mm -hmm. that haven't been politicized. And that, I mean, I don't want to say you're a bit more objective. I mean, um, objective but like for example one huge benefit i see is that okay uh i'm a flexitarian so a lot of times um i'll get some meat or chicken or whatnot and it's quite tough you know and it's not consistently like tender so personally i think that's a huge advantage that it's like guaranteed tender all the time like that's fantastic so um, are guaranteed to marbles, or... I suppose, having juicy in the um, in you know, in the in the brand title, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, and mar, I mean, maybe a lot, of, some people don't know about marbling, but the fat infiltrated into the meat, so that's that's you know, um, only as far as animal husbandry goes, um, you know, it's it's a whole science in itself to get marbling into the meat, so um, I mean. Yeah, that, that's a subliminal message, but especially as far as not just taglines, but really marketing campaigns, I think really focusing on the benefits um, of this product versus conventional meat and not focus on politicized issues, not in focusing on the environment. There are so many benefits. We can add um, different omega fatty acids into these products. We can add so many different nutrients. We can enrich these nutrients. So we just need to make this product like uh, better than what already exists and focus on that. Yes. I think that's, I think that's also interesting. And I've, um, I've, I've often thought, you know, because of the cultivated meat and the, you know, the scope of what they can do, you know, they are trying to make kind of cultivated meat as good as meat. Couldn't they make it even better than meat? Sure. Sure. If, if, if that's within their ability. Better than meat. Better than meat. Sure. There we go. There's the tagline. Write it down. (laughs) Done. (laughs) We're trademarking that one. We'll write that one down. So uh, (gasps) the last question, it's kind of coming back to what you were saying, um, Lauren, about kind of politicizing it. I mean, do you think industry and uh, and countries and governments are doing enough to set the stage for this, this, this kind of, you know, 
for uh, cellular agriculture, you know, is it going to just come as a shock for people in three years? It's just on the shelf and people have no idea what it is. Or do you think industry and, and, and people should be doing more to sort of, you know, kind of pave the way? What do you think? You want to go first? Um, yeah, I, actually, the thought that popped into my head was like, or oh, like aliens, how like, um, how it was like, aliens aren't real. And then over the last year, it's like, all of these things, it's like, we're normalizing this, this is obviously gonna happen. Um, I think that popular culture can certainly pave the way into making crazy ideas acceptable for people and then the more it's said as something that is happening rather than it is a you know uh a crazy thing that would never happen like obviously this is just an alternative you know it's just like butter it's like margarine instead of butter it's like vertical farming instead of farming and soil it's just introducing an idea into society and how that's done through pr so whether that's the government's responsibility i would say that having a, a kind of a stamp of this is okay is going to be important from the government saying that it's approved by a government body is going to be important for having that um just to just, just having well that stamp of approval to know that it's safe and um, that you can eat this um that it's not something that 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 is going to harm you anyway but i think the rest is down to pr it's down to marketing it's down to community it's down to making this appealing and also it's down to supermarket endorsement so in the uk if something you would pick up in waitrose is in, perhaps in consumers minds not something that you may pick up in say like little where i have bought ostrich burgers before i mean for like kangaroo and just strange things um uh i didn't actually end up trying them um because it was too weird um but you wouldn't get that in waitrose so if you have supermarket backing for this alternative alternative um protein um uh cultivated meat product and you'd say yes if waitrose is selling it we're seeing it in fortnum and mason of course of course um this is what yeah. everyone's doing it's fine it's not a crazy uh, a crazy idea yes yeah i totally agree um i think that definitely funding um is very important as well to really really um help out these companies just um well funding and also you know different know-how different types of resources that can be um just supplied to companies to really improve on these processes and just you know improve um on the on the technology the R&D and really like I was saying before that that is so crucial because without tackling the taste uh, convenience, affordability, um, and health, which also, you know, has to do with R&D, without those, I mean, you have no foundation. So that really needs to be tackled ASAP, or I mean, improved ASAP. So government funding is really important there. Um, legislation in many different countries, uh, EU is very slow. I was very proud of the United States to um, give approval for for cultivated meat. Um, and yeah, we see tons of company. I mean, tons of countries in the world, uh, such as um, Singapore, also South Korea. There's so much. Oh, China is investing tons into cultivated meat. Um, and Israel, 
tons of of uh, technology going into cultivated meat. So yeah. so yeah, I think it's it's um it's just a matter of of the government really getting on board. Oh, Saudi Arabia also testing tons in cultivated meat. Yeah, Saudi Arabia with some neom have just partnered up with Blue Nalu. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I I also wonder uh, whether there's something more kind of fundamentally human about uh, about slaughtering meat. Um, and I mean, that's I asked uh, I asked uh, uh, a friend of a uh, friend of mine. Um, uh, who is I mean he's he's a bit of a hippie in fact you know but he I asked him um, if I if I gave you two burgers if I gave you the option of two burgers one of them you know and both of them were exactly the same in texture taste look you know presentation health health benefits everything they were identical but you knew that one of them had come from a cultivated meat source and the other one had come from a slaughtered animal which one would you rather have? And he told me he'd rather have the slaughtered one than have the cultivated one. And and it's, I I I don't think that's uncommon. And uh, I you know from people I've spoken to, it's it's almost as if you know there's some sticking points as if to say, look, I am human. We have evolved because we have we have killed and and uh, because we've killed animals over thousands of years. And I have the right to kill my food, and and I wonder, you know, you know, when you said Sienna, it's it's the difference between margarine and butter. I wonder whether it's more fundamental, it's more human nature to want to, it's kind of it's kind of slaughtered, or unslaughtered. <laughs> if it, if is it human nature or is it is it dude nature? <laughs> That's the question. Is it like like man eat food, man kill food, man bring food home? Um, we are we are social it is socially drilled into us, um, or has been, especially kind of my generation and older generations, not so much anymore, that to be a guy, to be male, to fit in within the male culturally constructed um uh gender identity you will eat meat you will be out there providing for your family you will be a breadwinner you will pay you know the bills you will take the girl out and there are all these things and whether they are good I I mean I obviously do not think that this is a good way to uh kind of imprint ideas into people's minds I think that some people will get a real enjoyment out of the idea of hunting and killing, you know, whether they're out there hunting that sense of the chase, the sense that they've, you know, got some kind of dominance over kind of another creature. Um, I think these are all kind of psychological ideas that would be interesting to unpick. But saying that it's fundamentally tied to our idea of being human to kill something, I would find that a very difficult, problematic and worrying um, truth if it was discovered this was a truth. I don't think that it is. I think that it's socially constructed and potentially gender constructed. Mm. Mm. Well, I agree. Yes. So finally, sort of Lauren, what do you think about that then? I mean, it's. I mean, if, I, if you were stranded in the wilderness and you're really hungry, I think we'd all be able to kill something. Just, just say to be the devil's advocate. However, luckily, 
we have so much innovation and we live in very industrialized countries and very advanced countries that fortunately, that probably will never be our situation. So I think that part of it is, um, part of it is like, I was, I was just reading an article the other day about cultivated meat saying how, you know, um, meat has tons of benefits and nutrients and it, it's a great, uh, source of a lot of, uh, again, nutrients, but that doesn't mean that it can't be improved or replaced. Like it just happened to evolve that way. So I think that, you know, we happen to evolve a certain way and yeah, we used to have to kill animals to eat them because we didn't have further innovation, you know? Um, but now that we have further innovation, okay, we can leave some things behind. I don't think I've ever used a typewriter. I mean, I, I, I can write still, you know, but, but it's just, it's, it's not necessary. Luckily. I mean, thankfully or yeah. not thankfully. I mean, okay. It might be cool to learn how to use a typewriter, but, but the point being is that I think that, um, that it's just a matter of, again, convenience and just, uh, yeah, luckily we have so much innovation and, and luckily, you know, things will start getting phased out. I mean, personally, I love, I love horses. I like riding horses, but I don't need to ride a horse to get around. Yeah. So, if I had to, I would. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess uh, in regard to this, um, I mean, it, it seems, it seems to me that perhaps this, this, uh, this food tech innovation perhaps will change human behavior so that in, in 30, 40 years, 50 years from now, we might look back and, and, and think, you know, think we were mad to, to, you know, to do what we do for meat, you know, and how cruel we were. And, you know, we'd kind of look back in the same way as how we used to, we used to, um, you know, kind of knock holes in people's skulls when they had a headache, you know, to let all the evil spirits out, you know, back in, you know, it, it might, it might be in some way, in some way similar. I was going to I mean, go with wear corsets, but, <laughs> but yeah, okay. Yeah. How yeah. natural is it to eat like ultra processed Oreos or, I mean, I love Oreos. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, like if you want to go with the whole natural debate, I mean, there's so many yeah. things we do that, that aren't natural. So I think, yeah, it just has to, it boils down to convenience and, and necessity. And just, if it's a turnkey, easy option that satisfies yeah. a lot of different requirements. And certainly factory farming isn't very natural, is it? It's not. And it's, I mean, when you think about it, it's it's pretty gross. Yes. If if you really um, need to think about where your meat comes from and what it's gone through, um, even just the cleanliness um, and, you know, all, all of the different environments that that animal has had to go through, it's it's not appetizing. You'd rather have something that you know was in a controlled environment. Yes. Totally. Absolutely. Well, thank you both, Sienna and Lauren. I, I've really enjoyed talking to you both. It's, uh, I think it's been very educational and enlightening. And um, uh, I uh, thank you both for coming on the Future of Foods podcasts. I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. Most well, certainly. Thank you, guys.